0: Psalm 55, continuing in our study on suffering, imagine if one of your sons killed another one of your sons because that son had raped your daughter. I mean, put yourself in that situation. Then the living son, the murderer, flees and after a number of years is reunited with you as the parent but leads a rebellion against you, slandering your name, causing your most trusted friends to turn on you. I mean, it's easy for us to read this about the life of David, and that's exactly what happened to his life. But I don't think any of us could ever imagine facing the realities of that in our life. I mean we we sometimes elevate our sufferings to a point that we forget about this is what david went through and yes we're not going to go into much of this was because of his own doing but some of it was out of his own control but you i can't even wrap my mind around that of of all that we just went through of that happening in David's life and yet David experienced all of this and so much more he knew the height of mental pressure he knew the depths of emotional anguish and just being his heart being rendered asunder he knew the the ultimate of physical fatigue he was running for his own life several times in his own life <clears throat> and and he knew the spiritual struggle and psalm 55 gives us a picture into David's heart <clears throat> and a picture of how he was responding to suffering And we want to learn from that today. And Psalm 55 that we read a moment ago, David begins, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide Yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. And then David really bears his own soul. I mean, he. this was not a... A prayer that he was praying that was all flowery and and um, embracing of empathy and all of those things. David laid bare his heart and soul to God. And in the midst of suffering that may come into your life, we need to lay bare our heart and soul to God. We need to run to God. And, and it's not putting on a facade that everything's okay. It's not denying the suffering. It is coming before God, laying bare. The first thing David did as a suffering man who realized he was accountable to God was to pray. Now, we need to pause here a moment and mention... Psalm 66 and verse 18, and throughout Scripture, it mentions, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, here I am in the midst of struggles, and I know I need to go to God in prayer, as David did, and lay bare my soul to God, but on the way of going there, or before I go there, I need to search my own heart and ask God's Spirit to search my own heart. Psalm 139 and verse 14, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked way within me. Because if I have my agenda that I'm living by, and I go to God and lay bare my heart before God, I am laying bare before Him my own agenda. To illustrate this, let's just just imagine that Andrew told Gunner to go do the chores. Gunner goes out, hops on the four-wheeler, and takes off, And as he's taking off, Hogan flags him down, and Hogan pushes him off the four-wheeler. He hops on it and takes off. Gunner comes running into his dad and said, Dad, it's my turn to ride the four-wheeler, and and Hogan pushed me off, and it's my turn. Does he have any hearing? He's not supposed to be riding the four-wheeler. Hogan's being mean to me, and Dad, you need to go out, and you need to bring justice. Gunner is on his own agenda. And if Gunner had gone and done the chores, and I didn't pick on either one of them for any reason, but to illustrate, all right, Hogan wouldn't have come and said, pushed him away from the chores. Hey, it's my turn to do the chores. That doesn't happen, does it? And when you're doing God's will, people aren't coming to take you out of it. And if they are, then you have a standing. If Gunnar said, Dad, I was out there doing the chores... And Hogan came out and started throwing rocks at me. Then he has a hearing, right? They act like that may have happened before. No. (laughs) (laughs) Then he can go to the Father. Why? Because he was doing what the Father wanted him to do. Many times we suffer... And we go to the Father and we whine about it. But when we have sin in our heart that we're not willing to deal with, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. One of the purposes of suffering that we've already mentioned is to purify us. And David... In Psalm 51, we don't have the time, but you want to see what a genuine confession of sin looks like, study Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, David acknowledged his sin. He took personal responsibility for it. And he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And he confessed his sin, and made things right with God. And as a result of that, David is able to come before God as we read here in Psalm 55. So, to lay bare your heart and soul to God, it begins with us searching our own heart, having a clear conscience before God. That means, as the Spirit of God... God shows us areas of our life that aren't right, that we deal with it, that we make it right. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in the midst of suffering, God often opens our eyes to see things in our own life that aren't right. And that's a good thing. But then, we do have access to the Father. And we must and need to go to Him and to lay bare our heart and soul to God. What we read David saying here is an open, earnest, honest dialogue with God. You notice what he says. I am restless, verse 2, the end of it. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me. The tears of death have fallen upon me, fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, horror has overwhelmed me. And he said, I said, Oh God, I wish I was a bird that I could fly away and escape from all of this. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but how many times have you been there in your life? I I wish I could just get away from here. And David is saying this to God. I mean, he knows he's not telling God anything that God doesn't already know. But he has an intimate relationship with God. And it speaks to us that we never should hesitate to say what is really going on in our own heart. As we said, God already knows it. No one, and especially God, expects a suffering person to act like nothing's going on. You know, we do we do that all the time in our lives. How are you today? Oh, good. And we're not good. Now, I'm not, I I understand most of the time that's just greetings. I'm not saying you need to pour your gut to everybody that says, hi, how are you today? Well, now that you ask, let me tell you, you know, la, 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 la. I understand that. But the reality is we oftentimes do the same thing with God. And God already knows the burdens on our heart. He already knows how we're responding. Sometimes it's for our own well-being that we come to Him, but we come to Him because He is our only source of help. Last week we said one of the purposes of suffering is to draw us near to God. And you can't draw near to God unless you're honest and come in honesty and sincerity to God. And God, I feel like everybody's against me. I feel like they're lying about whatever it is. God, I feel like I can't do anything right. And and it's a open bearing of our soul to God. And when we pray and talk to God, we are not only not only turning to Him in our thoughts and with our heart, but really this is where we come to the presence of God. In Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, In God's presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Joy is not the absence of suffering. Joy is the presence of God, whether there's suffering or not. Joy is the presence of God. And there may be suffering going on, but there still can be joy. And and when we come with an open, honest, Heart before God and lay our heart out before Him, we come into His presence. We come to an intimacy with God. Psalm 62 and verse 8 the Lord said, Pour your heart out to the Father. I mean, when you pour something out, there's nothing left. You're pouring, you're revealing everything to God and and honestly sometimes that's hard hard to do i mean david's prayer here he's identifying what's going on it's easy for us to try to live in a bubble and deny what's going on and and often in the midst of our suffering we're tempted to have um Maybe not the best thoughts about God. We'll deal with that later in this study. And so we're maybe tempted to not go to God. God, if you love me, why would you allow this into my life? And so we don't want to go to God. And, and I've found in my own life when it's hardest to pray, that's when we need to pray the hardest. We need to push through our own feelings and our own difficulties Think of it. The last thing Satan wants you to do is go to God because there is the wonderful grace of Jesus. There is a very present help in time of need. There is mercy and grace at the throne of God. And so um, he doesn't want us to go there or he wants us to go in in a hypocritical veneer facade that isn't real. God wants us in a real relationship with Him. And so the first thing David did was to bear his heart and soul to God. Now, notice in verse 9, we find David pleading with God for justice. I mean, this is some pretty strong language. This is him bearing his soul to God. Notice what he says. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. Man, that's pretty strong. Praying for His enemies, right? Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on the walls. Iniquity and trouble are in the midst of them. Destruction is in the midst. Depression and deceit do not depart. And he says, it wasn't an enemy that brought this to me. It was my friend. It was the one I went to church with. We took sweet counsel together, he goes on and says. Then notice verse 15. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. What David is doing, he's praying and pleading with God to bring justice. Much suffering in the world today is the result of injustice. And when you cry out for justice, the person or system you put confidence in reveals a lot about the kind of person we are. And we have to understand, injustice can only be made right by someone who himself is perfectly just and has the power to administer justice, and that's only God. And David is going to God, and he's pleading his case, and he's saying, God, I'm asking you to bring justice. This is this is the case. They are wicked, they are mocking your name, and And we'll see as we go on here, he he gave it to God. But he went to God because God alone can bring justice and God alone will bring justice. And in realizing that David is speaking um, speaking to God and placing his dependence in God and realizing that. In every one of your lives here today, <clears throat> there have been injustices that have caused you to suffer to some degree or another. Things that you say, that just isn't right. I mean, we can, we can say that in our nation today. There are many things that are not right that are going on extreme injustices. And, and what we do with those injustices reveals a lot about where our trust is. And David went to God, and he was pleading for justice. He was pleading his case before God. But notice as we go on, verse 16, But as for me, and it's like he shifts gears. He's saying, God, here's what the wicked are here's what they're doing, it's bad, I I want you to bring justice. And then he said, but as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And he goes on and, and reviews what God has done for him. And then verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. David put his confidence in God. Our faith, must be grounded in the character of God Himself. And David came back and he said, But I trust in you. I'm calling upon you evening and morning, and at noon will I cry upon you, and uh, I will pray aloud and lift up my voice to you. But he concludes with, My confidence, my trust is in you. When life seems contradictory, meaning God loves me and this awful thing has happened to me, the contradiction there, we have basically two choices. Leave it all in God's hands and say, okay, Lord, I don't like it. I don't understand it, but I trust You. Or... Our other choice is that we believe we are at the mercy of chance and there is no explanation or purpose what is happening to me because really there's no God that's actively at work in my life or in these circumstances. Those are really only the two choices. And, and that came down to Job as well. In Job's life and the great suffering that he endured, God finally broke His silence with Job. But as we've said before, He didn't answer a single question of Job's. He showed Job himself. It all comes down to the character and nature of God. So if my prayers don't get answered in the way I thought they should... What happens to my faith? I've had people tell me, I've prayed about it, literally. I've prayed about it for a year, and nothing happened. I'm done with it. Our confidence cannot be boxing God into a time frame or boxing God into, you have to answer it this way, we need to bear our soul to God But at the same time, it's saying, God, I know you are good. I know you are wise. I know you are trustworthy. I know you promise to meet every need that I have. I know that you are present with me. I know that you never change. I know that you forgive. I know that your grace is sufficient and abundant. And God, this is what I know about you. And although I may not see those things right now, That's what I trust. And my confidence is in you. That you are at work in me and somewhere down the road, you are going to show your power and glory. And I will say, wow, that is God's doing. It is marvelous in my eyes. I don't see it now, but I'm trusting you, God. And it comes down to what we believe about God. How well we know Him what we actually call good. But once we have transferred the burden to God, we are freed to trust Him for the outcome. And that's, that's where the confidence comes. The confidence is not in a judicial system. It's not in a government. It's not in our abilities. It's not in, in the just natural law That sowing and reaping, and they're going to reap bad. Our confidence is in God alone. And that's where David then says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. That's confidence in God. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Here I am. We sang, In times like these, you need a Savior. Will your anchor hold in the midst of life? The only anchor that holds in this life is God Almighty. The only anchor. And that's where we continually come back to know Him. We must know Him and make His ways known. And, and it's so important that we continually pursue And in our Sunday evening um, studies, don't get content with your level of where you are and knowing Him. Because we can always know Him more. And then that's what builds our confidence in the midst of the storms of life, which we have no idea what the storms will be. In the midst of the storms of life, our anchor holds. Because the anchor is Jesus Christ. Everything else will fail us. Our wisdom, our strength, our riches, our resources, they all fail. And all that you have is Jesus Christ. Brother Lester Roloff, man that was mightily used of God and, and raised up homes for troubled, not just teens but adults, I can remember hearing him say, if I woke up today and all I had was Jesus Christ, I would have everything I needed. It's easy, it's easy to repeat those words, but is that truly in my heart? And the only way that becomes a reality is if we get to know God and pursue God. So, in the midst of suffering, to learn. God wants us to come. Come unto Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. He wants us to bear our heart and soul to Him. He wants us to plead our case before Him. But ultimately, He wants us to put our confidence in God and take our hands off it and, and say, God, I'm trusting you. You do whatever is necessary in this. And I am trusting you to glorify your name. And then, we need to look for ways to encourage other suffering people. I mean, David recorded Psalm 55 for our benefit. That we could learn from him. And in the midst of your suffering, it's easy for us to become self-focused. But when we take our eyes off self and look for ways to encourage other people or other suffering people, before the suffering, during the suffering, or after God intervenes in our lives, then we see God's purposes worked out of our life. God never intended us to be a stagnant body of water. He intended us to receive the grace of God and then pass that grace of God on to others. The comfort we have received to comfort others also. It's all about others. Others. I mean, why would God leave us here? Once you got saved, why wouldn't He just take you to heaven? Because He wants to minister His grace through our lives to others. So if, if we want to be sustained in suffering, not crushed under the weight of its burden, we need to transfer that burden to a Savior who is strong enough to bear it, and that's Jesus Christ. And God knows, and we can rest in the fact, God knows all the wrongdoings, all the injustices, and He will bring justice. I can trust Him for good now, and I can actively invest my life in serving others. Since David wrote this, times and cultures have changed. But there are two things that have not changed. One, sinful human beings still suffer. As we said at the beginning of this study, suffering is universal. The levels of suffering may vary in our own lives and in comparisons to others. But that was true in David's time. It's true in ours. And secondly, God delivers and saves the suffering and sinful person who trusts in Him. He wants us, because He loves us, He tries to narrow us and run us down the chute to Him. And sometimes we're pretty rebellious and we ram into the gates and we try jumping over and And He's trying to use, so He brings even bigger suffering sometimes to run us down the gate to Him. Why? He's trying to help us. And He wants to bring us to Him as He alone can deliver. The same is true in bringing us to salvation. He alone can forgive our sin But it's so much more than that. Jesus Christ took our suffering and our pain for our sin so that we could have forgiveness of sin. But now we have suffering in this life and he wants us to come to him because only through his grace can we bear it. So it's it's learning to stop and think in the midst of our suffering, and it's God evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry out to you. Hear my cry, and God, I'm pleading that, that you would deal, and I'm trusting you. My confidence is in you alone. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing that we build mental toughness, But mental toughness alone is not going to make it through suffering. It's a good thing to take care of yourself physically, but our physical strength will fail us. It is only God. It is He and He alone. And so we come to my confidence is in God alone. Mankind, confidence in man will ultimately and surely fail us. But those who put their trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which shall never be moved. And that's what David did. Unabashedly came and just poured his heart out to God. But ultimately he came down and said, but I am trusting God. In you. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would learn to implement these truths in our everyday situations of life. Lord, whether minor sufferings or major sufferings that come into our lives that That we would have a familiarity with you and your presence through prayer. that, That we are able to come and cast all our care upon you. And that we would trust you to deal in the lives of others involved. And that our confidence would be completely in you. So that we could be used of you to minister and help others. Lord, thank You that You are the anchor that will hold. Thank You that You are the rock that cannot be moved. Thank You that Your grace is as the highest mountain and sparkling like a fountain, that You provided in our lives. Lord, help us to appropriate Your grace in our lives. And Lord, when the trials come, may we remember and walk in these truths. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Jason's going. To...